Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And good afternoon, everyone. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Fourth Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great pre-owned inventory, fabulous sales staff, deals, oh, you can deal, and a service department that takes care of the life of your purchase. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. A lot of money exchanging hands today. Uh, Chris Jones... $85 million deal, four-year deal with the Chiefs. It's part of that Patrick Mahomes flexibility with his contract. It's a four-year deal that guarantees him $60 million. Miles Garrett. Close on a $125 million extension. Five-year deal. And, of course, he had the incident last year with Mason Rudolph. And his deal would eclipse the deal that Khalil Mack signed. First overall pick, 2017 draft, 29 tackles, 10 sacks, two forced fumbles in 10 games last season. And, of course, had the bad end to it. So money exchanging hands today. And then Jason Peters has agreed now to play guard for the Eagles. We'll have Daniel Gallon joining us from PennLive.com, who covers the Eagles. He'll be joining us on the show today. Neil Kulong today. As well. By the way, I've been looking into it. It appears, for example, we talked yesterday about trademarks. Evidently, uh, the Warriors is not. It happens to be one where the where Daniel Snyder and company will have no trouble with. Just thought we'd throw that in there. So those are the stories out of the gate to get us going on this particular day, and along with the guest list that we have for you today. The uh, Penn State has made the transition, football-wise, to now where they can meet, you know, they'll continue their training eight hours a week. What they're doing right now for football with the conditioning part, in conditioning, 
they are uh, are they are in groups of sixteen, and one grouping goes Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The other one goes Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So they're doing these in over a six-day period. Now the coaches get to meet with them eight hours a day. So that's where they are with this. They're, they're at that stage, and then they'll be able to get out on the field. And I know it sounds silly to say it, but with the NCAA, you have to be specific. The NCAA, with that mini camp without pads, they'll allow them to use a ball. Well, that's good. Um, and they're going to have to work out in different ways. So that's how they're doing it. Uh, they're, they're doing training periods in groups of 16 inside Haluba Hall. They have to do it in shifts. Some have shifts Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Others have shifts that are Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Uh, they have to have the temperature taken every day just to get in there. You have to fill out a questionnaire. It's how you feel. Now, look, they're just trying to keep everybody as safe as possible. And everybody has been tested. And if you're going to have a staff meeting, you know, I mean, Zoom is actually is, is, is really important. Because you don't want to sit there as an entire staff and then all of a sudden somebody tests the wrong way and now the entire staff is on is in that quarantine. So you have to really break that up. I mean, there are a lot of precautions that you wouldn't think of that you have to take. And everything just swings back and forth. So what they're doing right now is that yesterday they made the transition in their phase, and they can now get up to eight hours of conditioning and film review during a week. And then that'll transition to the 20 hours of football-related activities. Now, they're going to be out in the field 20 hours a week. not going to be doing that. But 20 hours of football-related activity per week starting the 24th. Then they can get into camp with formal preseason. And even that's going to have a different look. Because you're trying to keep as many people as safe as possible. Simple as that. And that's where they are. Look, I've said this many times. And I've I've said this to James, and he you know he'll kind of poo-poo it sometimes. But 
I feel like he's somebody that tries to think of everything. Now, obviously, there's no playbook for this. You don't sit there and go back, hey, and Hugo Bezdek, what did he do in, in, in 1919 with the Penn State football season? There's no, you can't go back to 1919 and see what Hugo Bezdek did during the Spanish flu. Can't do that. There's no playbook for this. So you're trying to come up with best practices. And, of course, he's surrounded by a great staff, a fabulous trainer, fabulous medical staff, lead doctor, uh, you know, your coaching staff, your, 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 your support staff, your recruiting staff. He's got It's top-notch all the way through. And you hire all these people so that when you get to something like this, you can then thrive as you get through it. And that's a big plus. But having him in the leadership spot, invaluable. Absolutely invaluable, having him in the leadership spot. Again, I've always said I always feel like you think of everything. But guess what? You know, Nobody thought of this and the scenarios you have to go through. But if, they, if anybody gives them the best shot, if anybody gives them the best shot of getting through this and thriving, it's it's James. So that's where we are on that. And we'll see what the Big Ten before the week is out, what they want to do with the schedule. Will the schedule stay at 9 and just stay with the current dates? Will the schedule go to 10 and be revamped? We'll find out maybe by the end of the week. Maybe, you know, we'll say. I mean, at some point you have to, coaches need to know who the opener is. You have to start, yeah, because if they do go to a 10th, it's going to be a team that was not scheduled to be played. And that's where, you know, so at some point, you would think that by the end of the week, they've got to have something. If not the end of this week, then no later than next week. Again, you have to be able to, to me, you have to go into that July 24th date. If you're progressing, you have to go in with that, that date to start with, knowing who you're opening with. As of this hour, it would be Northwestern on September the what 26th but will the schedule be pushed up will it change around the dates will it you know there's there's a lot of variables here a lot of variables but at some point soon they have to tell them how they're going to do this and how many games are going to be Matt, your guy Jason Peters back in the fold. Yeah, I'm happy with it. And I think it's the three, right move at this point. $3 million guaranteed with incentive 6 mil. Yeah, works for me. Going to move to right guard for Brandon Brooks. And it was probably the best move the Eagles can make considering the circumstances. 
that is nothing. And Andre Diller gets another chance to prove himself and get comfortable. And if something happens, whether he gets hurt or doesn't prove himself, you move Peters over to left tackle and you can pull in somebody like a Matt Pryor or somebody like that to go in right guard or move him to left guard, move Isaac Sayamalo to right guard. There's a couple possibilities there, but hopefully this will be the line itself. The only concern, of course, is his age and can he stay healthy for entire 16 games? Has been able really to do that the last few seasons. Whether he's missed full games or he's had to come out in the middle of games, it's not ideal, but at least this is not Carson Wentz's blind side. He'll replace Dillard by the fourth game. I'm not ready to say that yet. I I, I think there's a little... I only, I only said that to get a rise out of you. <laughs> I just think there's a little... We need to pump the brakes a little bit on Andre Dillard a little bit. I, I think he's a better player than what people think. I think the criticism has been a little unfair. Was That's he great last year when he stepped in? No, but he wasn't like awful, like a Danny Watkins awful. I mean, Sal Powell and I had a pretty good talk about him. Yeah. I get some of the concerns there, you know, staff-wise and some of the things that he brought up with you at that time. There's no argument there, but I, I just think that we need to kind of pump the brakes and just let's see how a full year plays out as, as him as the starter, and then we can, like by, I'd say by halfway through this season, we'll know what kind of player Andre Dillard's going to be. Fourth game, gone. <laughs> well, for now, it's a good move. It's what they needed to do. All right, so. And it's not the first time Peters has changed positions either. Of course, we all know he moved from tight end to tackle when he came out of college. Yeah. That's right. So did Irv Pankey. Irv Pankey actually moved from tight end to tackle here at Penn State. A long career in the NFL. All right, so. I guess what the soup put out is emotional. Was it Twitter? What did he put out? Instagram? Oh, on on Facebook with Bucknell Football? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was Facebook. That has nothing to do on Saturdays? The first time in 12 years. Mm. Wow. What's he doing this Saturday? Good question. You know, last Saturdays, he's done nothing for years. <laughs> now, what about the possibility of the Patriot playing football in the spring? They're looking into it, but to me... Now, financially, I, we all know it's not it's not viable. But. Yeah, I, I, do, I just don't think logistically it's going to be a good idea. You're going to run into a ton of scheduling issues. Just looking at Bucknell alone, I can't speak for the other Patriot League universities, but Bucknell alone, it'll be a little bit of a headache because men's lacrosse plays their home games at Christie. So you got to deal with that. And then if you have to move men's lacrosse over to the West Fields, women's lacrosse is over at Graham Field on the, on the west side of campus. It's just, I, I, I don't know. I'm sure they'll they'll give it the good college try, no pun intended. But I just don't think it's gonna be it's gonna work for everybody. They play one game a week. True, but if that one game's men's men's lacrosse there or whatever, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I hope it does work. I would love I would love to see those seniors get a chance to 
play their have final year and all that, but I, I don't know. Have a, a doubleheader. Why can't you kick off at noon and then play lacrosse at four? Do I have to do all the thinking? <laughs> that makes in in theory it makes sense. I just I just I just wonder if it's easier said than done. But this is, this entire show is easier said than done. <laughs> That's why it's a talk show. Just want to say a quick hi to Gary Goloszewski, only because his name hasn't been mentioned on the show in a month. All right. <laughs> Got a lot going on in today's show. Looking forward to it, including Neil Kulong and Daniel Gibb will join us from PenLive.com on the Jason Peters signing. On News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, and Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Great product lines. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, yeah, Sunbury Motors has them all. Not only that, they also have great pre-owned inventory. I mean, great pre-owned inventory. And it's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. So the suit put out something about having nothing to do on Saturdays. Correct. What about the other 48 Saturdays during the year? Or the other uh, the other 50, uh, 40 Saturdays during the year? A good question. I mean, to me, it sounds like he's already used to it. Minus Saturdays for... Minus uh, basketball Saturdays. Yeah, but the Chief does most of the work there. <laughs> Oh well. With that, well, I just thought I'd bring it up. You know, it's, it's, to all his Facebook buddies out there, you know. And I was sitting there, and they're like, "Okay, suit is spoken." All right, bringing Neil Coolong now. Neil, always a pleasure. I know we always throw you off with what we're doing here. Great to have you with us. That's great to be here as always. Thanks for having me. And now I've got Enter Sandman in my head. There you go. Perfect. There you go. Uh, Neil, by the way, is uh, experimenting today with the new face shield that Oakley put out, and I thought it was nice of them to send you one. Yeah, it, it's it, even looking at it, I can't help but think it's a combination of like uh, college softball and Darth Vader. You know, it, it's. <laughs> I don't know what this is going to prevent, if not a fastball from plucking you in the jaw at 95 miles an hour, which works great for softball. But it, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> just looking at it, 
I don't think the players are going to buy it. I'm not sure this is really going to work. Um, it, it's it's going to be an interesting um, compromise that the, the union and the NFL will come to to get them on the field. I'm not sure if a, a, an Oakley produced mask is going to really help anything, and I'm not sure how much the players are going to want to do that. Could the players not report to camp if they're if they're not satisfied with what the league's proposing overall? I, that, that's it, it's an interesting question. And on the, the the short answer would be yes. I mean, they, certainly they could. Uh, the ramifications of that, I think, are the problem. Um, what you're going to get from the CBA says that anything from a, a health and safety perspective is going to have to be collectively bargained. So to some degree, uh, the owners can't really force anything upon the players that the players aren't going to agree upon if it's outside of the document that they signed. And I don't think that they have any specific uh, provisions here for a pandemic type situation. So they're going to have to really negotiate most of what they're going to do um, to get them to uh, report to whatever type of training camp they're going to have. So uh, all of that said, there are things that they're going to have to do. The owners are going to have to propose to, to make it um, safe. And I'd probably put quotes around you know that word at this point. It really is kind of the, the fulcrum of each side. I'm not sure what safe is going to entail for either one of them, especially considering they're playing football, which, you know, it doesn't take much to argue. It's not entirely safe anyway. Right. Um, to, to throw this on top of it, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to eliminate much. And at the same time, I think a lot of it is it, it's window dressing. You know, we, we heard from Richard Sherman kind of laughing about the idea that the league is going to outlaw the jersey exchange at the end of a game but still allow the players to hit each other. So, well, yes. I mean, it, it one's, it, if your end goal here is to play football, is to have a product on the field, not to survive and, and move on through this. Your, your goal is to play football. You need to play football to accomplish that goal. You don't need to stand next to each other and exchange jerseys and take pictures after the game. I know it seems funny to Richard Sherman, but that, that's the reality of the situation. Um, I don't necessarily know if that, it's something that's indicative of the player's position and uh, in, in how much they're going to dig in over everything. But if it is, I don't see how they're going to get a deal done. I don't see how they're going to keep anything safe because these are the precautions they're going to have to take. Um, as obtuse as it might seem to people, there's some things that they're going to be able to do, and there's some things that they're not. And the post-game stuff, as we know them, they're not going to do any of it. Um, they're not going to be around each other on the bench. The whole thing is just going to look really strange if they even get it on the field, and I'm not sure how they do that at this point. Has Mike Tomlin discussed with the media how he wants to practice? Do you practice in groups? Do you keep running backs and quarterbacks separated from each other? Uh, you know, the old the old saying, you know, put the president and the vice president in the same plane. Uh, has he discussed any of that? I, I, I'm not sure any team would specifically have a plan uh, that, that they'd be ready to release to the public. Again, I, I think it's something that's going to have to be uniformly uh, bargained with the union how they do that but it, I think that's a great analogy you know it, it makes an excellent point at what point do you bring the units together you know can, can the defensive backs practice with the linebackers on the field do you do that or do you keep uh, potential exposure as small as possible 
uh, to limit the, the risk of if and frankly when um, an outbreak occurs, you, you can isolate a smaller group of players. Um, what do you do with the players after that happens? Uh, how do you replace them? Do you replace them? I think it sets off a, a chain of questions that I, I feel confident, confident that they'll have addressed if they have you know, gotten to the point where they can get on the field. Uh, they're just not going to, to share that information right now. Just I, I don't think it's necessary for, for the public to know all of that at this point. But uh, I, I feel just realistically the NFL has been working on this for, for months. And the union has as well. They got their their CBA sure. signed and probably went straight to work on all of this. Um, a lack of detail being released publicly outside of little you know shots here and there from one side to the other, which is to be expected in this kind of a situation. Uh, outside of that, I don't think that they uh, are ready to release the details. I don't think that they will. Um, until they have a full plan set up. If and when they do, though, um, I, I think, to, to your point, the best thing for them to do would probably be to, to break it up as much as they can. I, I don't know exactly what that looks like or how specific it's going to be to each team, but they're probably going to have rules similar to you can't have more than eight people in a meeting, um, right. no 11-on-11 practices, you can only do 7-on-7, seven seven, or position groups have to be separated by this. It'll be a lot of that kind of stuff that uh, may or may not uh, be of interest to fans, but that's kind of how training camp is going to be conducted. Uh, the preseason part of it, if it is going to be two games, for late-round draft picks and free agents, uh, in those, well, let's just say five to eight spots, how valuable are those games? Do they need all four to prove they should be there, or do you think two is is enough? I, I think we'll find out. Um, that That's the talk every year, and you're never entirely sure because a, a coach isn't going to be completely forthcoming of any roster battle that there might be in place uh, leading into that fourth preseason game. If you rule out the fourth game, which I think most people can, can agree that that's the least valuable of all of them, right. you push back what the fourth game is into the third. You know, it, it's not like it goes away. and they, they have the most valuable one is still the third. They have a plan that they follow. Um, I think across the league, all 32 teams are going to have different reasons for doing whatever it is that they're doing. Um, some of it very well could be, and we've seen the Steelers get into this situation, their final roster is set in place for approximately 90 minutes until they see who else is out there. Then they make another cut and bring a guy in. And that new guy who gets brought in is there to play special teams in week one, that's it. So the, the roster is a fluid thing. And we're getting to a point where you really kind of evaluate um, moves right up until kickoff in week one as – part of that final roster decision. Now, one of the rules, and this is an important one in the NFL, if you are on the roster, uh, if you're on the 53-man roster for the week one game, your salary is guaranteed on that team through through the year. Otherwise, there, there are ways to cut costs and everything like that. But it, it's important that just because you make the team when it's first announced, you have to be on the roster for the game uh, in, in order for your salary to count. So it, they can make a bunch of decisions up to that point um, how that relates to the fourth preseason game, to the third, to the second, I don't know. Um, my guess would be most coaches are going to go off what they see in practice a bit more than what they see, as Mike would say, under the stadium lights. And a lot of it is because it, it's 
not entirely manufactured football, but it, it's a realistic situation that, that they're evaluating players on things that they're not going to do. Um, you look at an outside linebacker playing, he's fighting for a spot on special teams, not necessarily to, to compete with T.J. Watt for his job. You know, it, it, It's not what he's there for. And you don't have all that many kickoffs and punts to really evaluate. So they're doing a lot of things that are probably outside um, – what they're truly being evaluated for and the things that they're looking at them for they're doing in practice so i I, in in some ways i think it'd be less shocking to say that their minds are completely made up um going into that fourth preseason Mm -hmm. game but it's i think it's reasonable to say that across the league there might be a couple guys that legitimately are battling one other guy and it could be who survives this game healthy you know that might be the guy that they keep um, lessening the amount of games would eliminate that type of situation. But in one way or another, I think we find out more often than not, uh, there's enough time for them to determine the best guys uh, to be on their team for the next three, four weeks. You know, maybe not the next three, four years, but yeah. it, most guys, if, if they make or don't make a team, a lot of it is based on health by that point. So uh, if an injury keeps a guy off a roster, and it might not be an injury we know about, that's not something we're going to find out about during a game necessarily. What about, for for example, let's take um... – a veteran. Veteran has their own way of getting ready for the regular season. Not everybody has the same workout regimen, or you know, or has the same uh, you know equipment as other people do. Which then brings me to rookies. How interesting is it going to be in the first couple of weeks to see which rookies come into this thing actually in shape to, to start playing and competing for jobs because they may not have the same equipment, obviously, that a veteran who has some means would have. You know, I, I think that's an excellent point. And to be honest with you, if I was able to ask Mike Tomlin one question, it would be what he would say right now to the rookies how he would want the rookies to be, how they want to be prepared because every year he bags on the rookies. It's, it, it, it's learning how to be conditioned, learning how to get in shape. And what he means by that is not your ability to run from here to there without collapsing. It, it's more how you're able to play at an optimal level despite being banged up, despite uh, you know the, the fatigue factor setting in. These are things that rookies who might be in, who might be in world-class shape aren't used to at that level. They do a lot more in an NFL training camp than they've seen in college. And they're only 22, 23 years old. They don't have multiple years of an NFL weight training program, an NFL nutrition program. All these things are are not benefiting them yet. And rookies are oftentimes the ones who are breaking down more than everybody else with those soft tissue injuries. Um, It's a lot harder for the rookie to adapt. And that's completely understandable. It's not, you know, downplaying the value of the rookie, but in many ways, um, financially, there's going to be an issue. And you hit the nail on the head, and it's because of this. A team like the Steelers with the rookies, they don't pay their signing bonuses until the season. Right. So it, whatever money they might have gotten, it's not very much. They don't have what Cam Hayward has, you know, who very well, for all I know, has a, a, a workout facility in his basement. You know, the rookie doesn't usually have that. Um, they're new to the town. They haven't even moved there yet. They don't have... Uh, you know the the same types of um, advantages that the veteran players will have in terms of money. Um, it, James Conner said this, I think, two years ago. Uh, the the most amount of money that he spent has been on his health and nutrition. Yeah, because he wants to reinvest his money back into his body while he's still young and he, he's on a cheap contract, so he can cash in and get the big time contract. 
you know, you have to get to that point. As you know, the Steelers are, are the team that made this saying uh, popular. You can't make the club from the top. Right. So if you're hurt, if you're banged up, your earning power goes way down. And Connor is, is a physical specimen. You can see that. Um, he, he's taken that to heart. So he invests a lot of money in keeping himself healthy. He didn't make it through his rookie year, and he's, he's in phenomenal shape. So I agree. You need to, to build up um, your, your health and your stamina to a certain point to really be successful in the NFL. Sure, there are rookies who, who do well with things, but mm-hmm. more often than not, you hear about the rookies kind of wearing out toward the end, and it's because they haven't done it yet. So I don't. there's a lot they need to do to prepare for the season that usually they're not able to do just for a lack of time more than anything else. But now they lack pretty much everything. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of guys um, – you know, pandemic aside, I think you're going to see a lot of guys with injuries this season, um, stress-related injuries, uh, fatigue-related injuries, uh, far more of those than usual. And it could be something significant around the league. A lack of conditioning, um, you know, a lack of flexibility, those types of things, they, they lead to um, tendon tears, uh, ACL tears, things like that are, are factored into those types of general ailments of a player. You know, you, you, the most amount of ACL tears that you see – uh, across the country is in spring football, and it's mostly because they're not used to cutting and running around that much. So now, you got to think it's going to be even more so. Right. Okay. Um, now for the really hard hitting question of the day: Which direction does Washington go in for a nickname? Oh boy. Um, Here, my take on it is this: I, I think you have a, an obvious. Uh, branding connection with two names, really, Red Wolves and Warriors. Warriors is really what they wanted to depict with the idea of Redskins to begin with, mm-hmm. and Red Wolves, because it, it's it's red, you can keep all of your secondary branding with the R. Uh, it fits, you know, it, syllabically with the song Hail to the, the Red Wolves. It makes more sense than Hail to the Warriors. Mm-hmm. You have to fit in another syllable with that. It, it sounds like those are kind of the two front runners for everything, and from what I've heard, um, Warriors is what they've wanted this time. If they were going to switch, that's what it would have been. Red Wolves kind of emerged. They're they're working on getting whatever legal licensing that they have to get to to acquire that name, and that that's the one that they're going to want. But that's the one that you really have to kind of change the most. I think Warriors. I think um, you have to change the branding in, in terms of the W. But Washington obviously is already known for the W. You see the Senators W. Um, it, it's in that town. That sort of image is already there. It's already apparent, but it's not the R. I, I, I would think that they'd want to keep the R probably more than anything else and distance themselves as much as possible from um, the, the term Redskins, the Native American concept, and still keep you know HTTR, which is a huge thing, believe it or not, uh, within the Redskins community that, that's a, a very uh, strong, tried-and-true brand that they want to hang on to. Uh, Red Wolves, to me, I think seems that the most likely yeah to me that makes the most sense but i think it'll probably be between one of those two i pointed out that when daniel snyder was thinking about getting into arena ball the you know i guess the nickname he liked was warriors when he was getting into arena ball red wolves the heck that'd be fun call them the wolves yeah Part of it, too, is I, I've heard that the Redskins uh, got whatever licensing they would need on Warriors a long time ago. Yes. So that, that one was always kind of established. Well, Some people have told me kind of close to the organization that 
don't don't doubt Warriors. They've always wanted Warriors. If they change it, they change it. But they, these people think that the Red Wolves is kind of a smokescreen right now more yeah. than anything else. Warriors is what they really want and it's what they've always wanted. That wouldn't surprise me. I guess I'm, I'm probably speaking more preferentially. Um, yeah. I think Red Wolves sounds better. I think they could do more with Red Wolves than they could with Warriors. But mm-hmm. Warriors really is kind of a natural fit. you got to think that that's sort of the compromise. You know, right. that that's, that's a, right. okay, we'll do this we'll do this. We don't want to stray too far from what we had. My feelings on that aside, I, I think, you know, it, it makes sense for them from a branding perspective to stick with Warriors. The, the fan base would probably be happiest with that. Yeah. Well, we'll see what they want to do with it. Uh, again, it's the trademarking part. There's a guy in Alexandria, Virginia, that has trademarked 16 of them rolling the dice that they'd have to pay him for the uh, for the trademark. He it, does. That happens all the time, though. I, I mean, know. that's that's not unusual. You see this in like website speculation too. Oh, I um, know. There are opportunistic people that do this. It, it's it, you're going to have a real tough time going up against the NFL in terms of defending why it is you should have the trademark to this and not the league that actively wants it, especially considering when you bought it was right before they were looking for a new name. The, the law doesn't allow you to do that to, to a huge extent. He's not going to get much. They might give him 20 bucks to get out of the way, but that's probably not even worth that. Well, so that great story about a, a company in China way back received the trademark for iPad, and Apple had to pay them $60 million to get it. I wish that was me. I could have I could have come up with iPad. Well, I could have come up with Warrior. <laughs> it can't be too tough, right? Th- th- I mean, that, we, that, we, that, we had to scramble to get website names. I know that. We, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Warriors was already taken by us. We have a Warriors site, Warriors Wire, covering the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. So we we went with DC Warriors for that, and then um, the Red the Red Hawks. For, <laughs> what was it? it was it, the Red Wolves Wire.com, yeah, those yeah. two. Um, Red Wolves Wire.com was taken like six hours before we did. That was the <laughs> first time we heard Red Wolves. But yeah, you, you put it out there, and everyone's going to jump on it right yeah. away. Whether you know yeah. they, they all think there's some kind of payday behind it, but um, depends on who you're trying to battle. You know, I, I guarantee you, the Washington Redskins organization and or the NFL own. The branding of what they want, and yeah, there are some out there that might be able to slip by it, but it takes a lot to do that. iPad, though, that's a good one. That's a good one. I wasn't aware of that. That's why you're on this show. We can every once in a while give <laughs> give you a, just a nugget that is really worthless. All right, <laughs> Neil. I'll be writing about it by the end of the day. Yeah, Neil, great to have you with us this time, not poolside, but we appreciate you always. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Neil Coolong. Back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applications 
applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. 